Hello, and thanks for joining us for another episode of Art Matters. I'm Farron Gibson, and this podcast is brought to you by Art UK, the online home of the UK's public art collections. Find us online at artuk.org and on social media at artuk.org, making sure to spell out the word dot for our social channels. I'll also remind you to hit the subscribe button if you like what you hear today so you can be notified of any future episodes. And if this is your first time joining us, Art Matters is a series exploring taster discussions on the intersections between art and popular culture. Today, I'm joined by Dr. James Peterson, an author and specialist on race, politics, and popular culture, as well as a commentator for media outlets such as CNN, Fox News, and MSNBC, amongst others. Hello to you, James. Good afternoon. So um, I guess we'll just dive right in. Uh, Typically, I like to ask kind of fundamental questions at the start of these. We're talking about hip hop and art today uh, and where those things intersect. So I'll just jump right in with a a first prompt. Uh, Many people think of hip hop as a genre of music, kind of forgetting to include that it encompasses fashion, language, and art. Do you think that this connection with art extends back to the early days of hip-hop? There's absolutely no question um, that um, hip-hop as a culture, including all of its artistic production, um, its language and its uh, influence and shaping of of Black language and American language and global language, ultimately, um, the seeds for that were intact at the at the origins of the culture. And you only need to understand what people refer to often as the four elements. Um, I think there's probably a few more than four, but the sort of consensus four elements at the genesis of hip hop culture are breaking and b-boying and think about that as like the kinesthetic element the elements of like movement and artistic movement at that political movement artistic movement um Mm -hmm. and then there's the dj um or the some people refer to them as turntablists or the musical producers the folks who really handle um uh, the uh, the audio uh, aspect of the culture in all ways. That's you know they shape uh, the spoken words, the rap lyrics just as much as they do uh, the music. Then obviously um, there's the graffiti art, which is by some estimates the oldest element of the culture in its modern iteration. Um, and mm. the it's hard to I mean you're a visual art specialist and marketer, so this is easy for you to grasp, but I think sometimes it's difficult to grasp uh, what the actual aesthetic intersection is between the graffiti art or the visual element of the culture and other elements, especially like the lyrical or the rap element of the culture. Um, But those intersections happen to be some of the most um, important historical uh, but also um, important cultural features of what of what hip hop is, like the intersections between uh, the visual aesthetics in like a, an elaborate graffiti piece, the encodedness of the language. You know, sometimes you can look at a, uh, a an elaborate graffiti piece and you can't decipher the language, right? You don't you don't right. know what the word is because it's encoded, right? There's an intersection there with rap lyrics. You know, people sometimes refer to contemporary popular uh, trap 
music oriented hip hop as mumble rap, right? Um, and maybe some yes. of it is mumble rap. Um, but I tend to think of it also being as more impressionistic. There's a reason why that music is compelling to young people. It's a reason why it makes them move and dance. And so some of that's encoded, just like an elaborate piece of graffiti might be uh, uh, encoded. And so those kinds of intersections, I think, are where the culture is really rich. Um, but the seeds for that were there very early on. Um, and so a lot of the affinities that we see with hip hop culture and other forms of culture and art in the 21st century, uh, a lot of the pop cultural dominance that you see um, of, of, of hip hop across fashion, uh, in some areas of television and film spectrum, especially on mainstream uh, media outlets, the seeds for that were there in, in, in the beginning and in the early stages. And, and the elements, even though we could debate about whether or not we should add additional elements to that list, um, they do give us key indicators as to what the potential was for the culture early on. Why is it that these things are linked together as elements? Do you think that it's because it was the same, the same people who were doing the breaking in the in the turntable um, music? Is it because they were also the people who were doing oh, yeah, the graffiti? Oh, absolutely. The, you know, these are. <clears throat> if you want to talk about its absolute origins in New York and not like its sort of early days where it kind of cropped up in other post-industrial cities um, in America, um, the, the yes, you're talking about a, a young uh, demographic. Um, you're talking about a demographic that is intellectually and culturally bolstered in terms of their ingenuity. Uh, by the fact of their diversity. You know, these are folks from all over the world, Greek, African, Caribbean, Latina, Puerto Rican, Boricua, you know what I mean, African-American, right? I mean, these are mm -hmm. African-American forms, like the, the even the dance forms and the, the music that's sampled and the, the verbalization and the, the vocal piece of the art that we get through rap. Um, and even if you want to go back far enough, some of the styles encoded in, in great graffiti art, those things are are African American, but the the diversity of the young community of folks who had the ingenuity to um, does you know meet the desire to express themselves in whatever conditions. Uh, so you can tie that to some of the economic conditions, but even if you account for all of the economic deprivation and the piss poor urban planning that set the uh, urban conditions out of which hip hop culture emerged, that in and of itself, that deficit. Uh, accounting cannot um, account for the entirety and the ingenuity of the culture itself. Right. So does it stay mainly contained to graffiti art for a while in terms of the art hip hop relationship or does it, are there points at which you feel like it starts to branch out into more fine art? I know more recently there are more obvious yeah, I mean, connections. Each, each element of the culture has its sort of own pathway and they're interesting paths um, at different points uh, in a particular elements culture you can see its popularity wane or expand um, you can see it um, how it operates globally um, and graffiti is an interesting trajectory to to take a look at I mean if you look at um, an artist like Jean-Michel Basquiat and look at mm. the kind of impact that Fab Five Freddy had on the New York Soho art scene, uh, you know, with Blondie and Warhol, Basquiat and Madonna, you know, you have all these figureheads um, right. in, the, in, the, in the industry of art as well as, you know, tastemakers 
um, who were influencing um, a fairly lucrative um, uh, art market. You get someone like Basquiat coming into that market and critiquing it. And it's an interesting phenomenon, right? Because he becomes kind of the poster boy for what commodification from traditional art sources can do to hip hop. It's kind of like um, Basquiat's kind of like the canary in the mine. Right. Right. Um, yeah. He's he's a dope ass street artist. You know what I mean? The same old stuff is like classic, um, but he sees what the traditional, very white art world uh, can provide, and he he creates a kind of art that is authentic and sometimes beautiful, but also often poking fun at the conventions and the styles and the aesthetic commodifications. Um, that are the accoutrements of the traditional uh, New York art scene in the late 20th century. So, so it's, I'm glad you brought Basquiat up because he's someone that, in my mind, has kind of laid dormant um, from basically maybe the period of his death to maybe the last five or so years. I mean, there was, he, there was a film made about him, um, but I feel like he hasn't really come back to kind of collective consciousness until maybe jay-z mentioned him on his magna carta album Would, uh, well i would um, so i would just beg to differ just a little bit on that yeah please um, do um you know there are the first of all there's two films there's one that's a biopic with uh, jeffrey wright playing him who's amazing yes and there is the documentary film which is also pretty solid there's a great biography it's called basquiat i can't recall the author's name off the top of my head but there's also a great written biography of the life of basquiat it's very strong um and yes, you have Jay-Z uh, embracing and also acquiring uh, Basquiat pieces. Right. But the thing that we have to keep in mind about whether or not Basquiat stayed present on the art scene is to look at what was, one, not maybe his main target, but one of his targets in his artistry was the art industry itself. True. Um, and I don't know, what was it, last year, year before, somebody bought a Basquiat for over $100 million? Um, I, well, it wouldn't surprise me. And with his recent ex exhibition at Barbican, he's just kind of growing and growing. He's he re resurfacing in people's minds. Yeah. But I, what I would argue is he was just quietly accumulating capital. Maybe, yeah. You know, like he's, think of the, I mean, this is a very parochial trajectory for an artist, but after they die, um, if they've had uh, a compelling message contextualized in its, in, its, in its proper time and it's historicized a certain way, think of Van Gogh or any artist mm -hmm. when their historical context is valorized over time, um, it, it enhances the value of the, of the piece. So maybe we weren't talking about Basquiat, but his art was still um, uh, making money and gaining in value. Yeah. So... I mean, I, I don't want to jump around too much, but while we're on Basquiat, um, because he's been so heavily mentioned by Jay-Z, it just, the, th the two things are kind of synonymous in my mind. I think about the two together when I think about Basquiat. And I, I wonder, in, that, in the Magna Carta album specifically, it seemed that Jay-Z made a very strong effort to mention, um, to name check a lot of artists, Rothko, Warhol, mm -hmm. he has a song called Picasso Baby. Um, I, I wonder what is the, what is the reason for doing something like that? Why would a rap artist want so, so much to intentionally uh, reference these art references within his work when it's so not 
done in hip hop music yeah, well, in think, that way. I think Jay-Z's got a, a history of this, but I think the first piece is to go back to my earlier point, which is as fans and as um, you know, aficionados of the culture, we don't always have a good appreciation for the attention to craft and the aesthetic um, intellect of some of these artists. And Jay-Z as an artist is interested in that intersection between graffiti art or the visual element of the culture um, and mm-hmm. the lyrical element of the culture. You know, it's Jay-Z who said, I paint pictures with poems. That's a Jay-Z quote. And, you know, right. or I, you know if, if the war calls for war halls, I hope you got enough space on your hall's walls, right? That Jay's right yeah. about war. And what he's doing, though, is he's drawing attention to the imagery that is a great feature of his music. You know, um, Jay-Z's lyrics can make you visualize certain experiences and spaces, particularly for folks who come from certain environments, but he can even be more universal. So there's that piece of it, right, Farron? But then the other piece of it is is that as an artist over time, Jay has become more and more interested in in deconstructing the high-low barriers in art, right? Mm -hmm. So... He takes something like Annie, a Broadway play. By the way, Broadway plays were not originally high art or considered to be high art. But he takes something like Annie, which is about class in and of itself and about traversing class, something that he did himself, and takes that hard knock life sample and really launches his career into a different stratosphere uh, with that choice, right? Now, that's interesting because I always saw that as a play at um, mass appeal because he'd had a he had a success with uh, maybe that one was the first one he did, and then you notice that he does that was similar. His first really big single, but I'm, right. I'm, I'm so I'm saying I would agree with you. Yes, he's 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 talking about mass appeal, but I think he's also talking about that journey and that breaking down of the high low art barrier because essentially that's what he's he's taking a Broadway sample something about sure um, and makes this great hit mass appeal. Um, but also kind of performing what he's talking about in his music. You know, that's his mythology as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but he's using various tools, visual tools, uh, dramatic performances. He's interested in the imagery and what he can make you see um, in the music that he, that he writes and that, that he thinks about. So it's, it seems logical then that as he continues and perfects his craft in that way, he looks to other artists you know, he's already looked to a lot of different lyricists um, and looked to like the sort of the construction of the hustler in, in, in the black American experience. Um, and then he eventually turns his sights other places and, and visual artists, even classic ones like Picasso. Um, I think that's a, is a, that's a logical turn for, for me, for Jay-Z to make, given the trajectory I just outlined for you of his own of his own career. So I, I'm, I'm going to throw out a conspiracy theory here yep. about it, <laughs> because I know that um, around the same time as Magna Carta, Kanye West was putting out Yeezus, mm-hmm. and he was projecting videos for that on yes. places like the Tate. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, um, uh, this may be after Jay-Z, but he's also made Picasso references with his own self. And he's definitely frames himself in the way of an artist. And my my theory is that he, because of their relationship uh, t- with each other, I felt like mm-hmm. 
there was a competitive aspect of Jay-Z trying to one-up Kanye in terms of mm-hmm. I'm more mm-hmm. artsy mm-hmm. than you are or something, especially with the um, his performance alongside Marina and Bramovic uh, in the Pace Gallery. It, it felt really, to me, out of character um, yeah, for Jay-Z think, compared to a Kanye uh, West. You know, and let me say this, that this, I, it is, I guess, a conspiracy theory in some ways, but it doesn't interest me as as much as what I think is the real story here, which is, you know, these are two guys, they're both great artists and, and Kanye is maybe more of an esoteric enigmatic figure as an artist. He might be more complicated as an artist, mm-hmm. um, but their competitiveness makes sense to me. You know, like it was, it's great when the competitiveness can be channeled into uh, watch the throne, but yeah. you know, it, it, it definitely seems to work for them. It did it, that work. Watch the throne is a great record. That definitely, you're right. It did work for them, but I'm not sure how long lasting that could be given how competitive each one of them is because they're two great artists. Um, you know, and although Jay helped Kanye out a lot, Kanye is his own entity and his own, uh, takes up a lot of space in the industry. Absolutely. I mean, they're certainly both, um, respectable artists in their own right. And they definitely, um, bring their own, their different Mm -hmm. perspectives to it. It's just seemed interesting to me that, uh, it, it seems like a little bit more than a coincidence that they would both be really pushing these art. Mm -hmm artistic kind of uh, images of themselves mm-hmm. around a similar time. And I just wonder kind of to what end, what is, what is the point? Because it's, it's more than a coincidence to several times in your album mention, you know, mm-hmm. Basquiat and Da Vinci and P- mm-hmm. name a song Picasso. There must be a reason why you're wanting people to mm-hmm. be aware of your art knowledge and your connection and awareness of mm-hmm, these art mm-hmm. references i mean I, I i would i don't know if this accounts for all of the rationale behind um why they are name checking and alluding to the art world in such a, an explicit way but some of it's about legacy um and associating themselves with the picassos and the warhols and the Vinci's and the other fashion designers that kanye loves associating themselves with those mm-hmm. folks is a part of um, establishing their legacy within that kind of context. Sure. And the reality is, is that there are going to be Jay-Z records and his impact as an artist is going to be a long-term piece. People may not talk about him like the same way he thinks they talk about Picasso, but he will be spoken about and historicized in a way that reflects his impact on the culture. Um, that is inescapable at this point. So legacy, I think, is a, is a, is a part of that turn. Uh, towards what we might think of as more traditional, uh, the more traditional art world. Well, going back to that performative thing, um, it it bears noting that um, Jay-Z unveiled the album cover for Magna Carta, Holy Grail, next to a copy of the Magna Carta. It was one of the most grand things (laughs) I've probably seen. Too bad Um, the record didn't live up to that, though. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Right. I mean, I love Jay Z, by the way, but I love Jay. I will buy every Jay Z record. Um, no, I no, I get it. I love it. I I felt like um, there were part. It grew on me. I think. I think of it more mm-hmm. in terms of like the context of it coming out. Like I said, I, I in, in, instead mm-hmm. of the songs itself, there was so much show around it. Him performing for hours uh, in in the gallery, 
um, and Picasso it was a great baby. deal. It was a great deal. Remember, yeah. that was the Samsung deal. Um, he, he made a lot of money off of it. The Picasso video is incredible. I, th- I still think Somewhere in America is just a classic little song. Absolutely classic. So there's some good songs on there. Tom Ford is on there too, right? Yes, which I do love. Yeah. There are some good ones on there. I think you have to revisit it. Okay, I'll revisit Because Listen, he, me, just he to makes clear, it high. Just to be clear, just because we're on the record, yes. I'm a Jay-Z fan. Oh, and I will course. buy every Jay-Z record that Jay puts out. I listen to them, I study them, I think about them. Um, I'm, I'm interested in his career and what he's done with it. Um, so that, that that's just so. But Magna Carta, it doesn't rank in the top four or five of the records that he's put out for me. That's fair. Um, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a few records that go come before Magna Carta. A few. So, are there any other artists? Because we've talked about Jay Z and Kanye a lot because they're so it's, they're easy for me to kind of recall immediately. But are there any other? hip-hop artists that come to mind in in terms of their interactions with the art world? Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, Lupe Fiasco comes to mind immediately. I don't know if if you've listened to a song called Mural, but it is, it's exquisite. Um, um, And again, Lupe is very intellectual with that intersection between visual aesthetics and lyrical imagery. Very intellectual with it. a scholar of it, I would I would say, and you can see it. In his, you can see it in his work. Look at the cover art for Tetsuo and Youth. It's a um, a very simple but sort of uh, powerful fine art image. Um, he thinks of himself as a visual artist, probably as much as um, as a lyrical artist. Um, think about the song Daydreaming, which is the Grammy Award winning song with Jill Scott, and just think about the imagery and the visuals that it evokes. I think that's a way that a lot of artists are starting to, uh, a lot of hip hop artists are expressing themselves is through their, um, through their videos. And, you know, that starts back with maybe Michael Jackson making like epic videos. But I think about uh, Kendrick Lamar, um, Jay-Z's recent videos, they're definitely productions. Um, and you, you know, we talk a lot about at Art UK about paintings um, because that's a lot of what our um, collection holds now. But I, I sometimes forget to think about things mm-hmm. like video art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a whole other episode, Farron, in the sense that you know, I know, film and video, and and now more than ever, a documentary video of performances. That's almost an entire whole other genre. Um, Hip hop has definitely shaped film. Um, uh, it's had a powerful impact. Think, you know, I think of films like Boys in the Hood and Menace to Society as hip hop films as much as like Breaking and Wild Style. Um, so you're talking about a tremendous impact on the cinematic world. Um, and yes, when I'm talking about the kind of imagery that Lupe is evoking or someone like Jay-Z is evoking or someone like Scarface or Black Thought or Lauryn Hill, you know what I mean? It includes the visuals that are produced for the song as well as the imagery that audiences uh, can engage from the lyrics themselves. Um, so there's a, quite a bit of artistry in, in, uh, in that world. I mean, I'm not a film scholar either, so I, it's harder for me to talk about, um, at least in depth, right, about about, yeah. about what's yeah. being done by some of the great filmmakers in hip hop. Yeah, I, it's it's also not my area, but just really interesting to think about um, 
just on a on a general level the artistry that's going into creating these these videos accompanying these songs and, and now people are doing visual albums you know that's becoming very standard mm-hmm. to for people to release mm-hmm. a video maybe for every song mm-hmm. um it's it's all really interesting yeah, no i i would agree um you know the as the as the technology becomes a little bit more democratized you probably will see more uh quote-unquote visual albums i think you'll also you'll see hip-hop play more in the space of animation you're starting to see a little bit more in comics um i think there are other uh visual uh platforms that hip-hop culture will continue to grow in as well yeah i think it's really exciting uh to to see where it goes and you know to see things like references to you know great art historical figures in a rap song that is definitely uh, a, a long way from you know the origins of maybe like doing the the is it called the dozens when they dozens, were just kind of yeah. like exactly just ragging on each other in the beginning and now to have it come you know to the point of where the biggest rappers are talking about how they have a Warhol on yeah. their wall. And, or they and, want to pass on their Basquiat's to their children. To their, yes, exactly. You know, there's a certain level of elitism and classism in, in that kind of aspiration towards a certain uh, uh, level of the art world. Like there's a certain amount of privilege that goes along with that. It definitely says I've transcended <laughs> to a point where I'm able to make these kinds of yeah. references. And purchases. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, it's really interesting, and and definitely maybe there there's something to that too in terms of why an artist would wanna, want well, to want well, to. So this to me, and again, aside from the aesthetics piece and the legacy piece of of the kinds of illusions and relationships that you see between top tier hip hop artists in the fine art world, I would hope that they would also use those very same platforms to compel people to support black art. I mean, we talk about Romary Bearden um, and, 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 and other black visual artists, Kara Walker, other black visual artists. But you can also compel people to support those artists. Well, I felt like that was the inspiration behind mentioning Basquiat. Yes. Because it's not just mentioning an artist. It's mentioning a black yep. artist yep. Yep. Who, who was, um, and, you know, you don't talk about um, a lot of black artists in a, in a typical art history survey. So to have one who was recognized by someone like Warhol and who's now having exhibitions at Barbican or something, it's kind of identifying a, a potential black hero for, you know, young black kids who may want to be an artist. Yes. Yeah, it is. So that's a, it's an exciting, um, it, it's an exciting reference in that way. Mm-hmm. It really is. Well, I think maybe we can leave it here for today. As I say, I say this every episode, but it's such a big topic that I think we could probably dive into smaller and smaller pieces, like like we mentioned with video art and that sort of thing. Um, but it, it felt like a good general taster conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Thank I, you. I really appreciate you doing mm-hmm. So um, I'll mention... Um, as always, we'll be sharing information and images that we've mentioned on this conversation on the Art UK website where possible. So I ask everyone to please head over to artuk.org. And the specific page is artuk.org slash about slash art dash matters to see um, information and 
on what we've discussed today and also on James, where I'll include his bio and links to uh, things he has going on as well. So thank you again, James. Thank you for having me on, Karen. I appreciate the conversation. Such a joy. And everyone tune in next time for more.